This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hawn. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Haw from the Mullane Haw Show at 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears. He's at Hallis Hall. This is Draft Week. You can find our podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us talk about the Bears on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. And you can talk draft all week, Dan, because it's draft week. It's silly season. It's lying season. Speculation. Let it go. How was it, Hallis Hall, on this uh, Tuesday? What well, were you well, uh, What were you up to up there today? Silly season has been three months long. This is the end of silly season. We're getting into action season, which starts on Thursday night uh, at about seven o'clock Central Time. And so we, there, there's a lot that's going to go on here uh, before we get to next week. As you can see, uh, for those that are watching, I am indeed at Hallis Hall. Anytime you see uh, Wilbur Marshall or Mike Singletary and Otis Wilson over my shoulder, that probably means I'm back in the building. And I got to say, it's the first time I've been here uh, since. Uh, uh, early parts of January, I think January 10th may have been our last day in here. And so it's good to be back in uh, this place of work and gearing up for a week that is going to be activity filled and eventful and full of meaning for this organization. So just to set the table, this is what we're going to do today and this week. Today, we are going to obviously bring everybody up to date on the latest from the podium at Hallis Hall. We're going to talk about the big Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets from the Packers. He's finally out of the division. We'll talk about some interviews that we've done on the score this week, especially the one with Rick Spielman. And then we'll react as we need to, Dan, up until draft uh, night Thursday with the Bears have the ninth pick right now until they possibly trade down. Um, and then we'll, um, we'll we'll go from there. We also, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. It's be fluid, so we'll just keep our schedules open because this is a week you never quite know. I don't anticipate there being a deal before Thursday night, but you never know. Yeah, unlikely in, in that regard. And then we just have to wait to see how the board unfolds. And I think we're all eager to kind of get to that moment. You know, we've played out 158 possibilities. We we know what's there for the Bears, likely, at number nine, what they want to do if they want to move around. We know the weight that they're going to have between picks nine and 53 if, if they indeed stay with what they have right now. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot ahead. And, and, and I think maybe – Today out at House Hall, you you, you learn. We we heard from Assistant General Manager Ian Cunningham, and maybe the, the biggest thing we'll learn uh, in a couple of days is how good of a poker player he is. So you heard from Ian Cunningham. Let's start there. I mentioned this this on uh, on Tuesday morning on the Mullen Haw Show, and, and you can address it. 
Leading up to the draft, we've heard and typically do hear from the general managers for each team. We heard from, for example, Brian Gutekunst, who made a big trade in Green Bay on Monday about that trade. Chris Ballard in Indy, I think he's still talking to reporters <laughs> one at a time. The most They're, honest man out there, he says. He's claiming he, to be the only one not lying. Well, and you know what? He talks enough to make it make it sound plausible. My, my point is that in past years, we do hear from the general manager. And frankly, this offseason – We've heard a lot from Ryan Poles, whether it was Peter King and and, and uh, Albert Breer, and he's telling the story about the great trade down and all of that. Why was Ian Cunningham talking to reporters at House Hall today and not the man who's most in charge of making the decision in the ninth overall pick? There was a NFL rule put in um, not that long ago, within the last couple of years, that says that, uh, you know, assistant general managers should be made available to the media twice uh, per year uh, just to give them more experience and exposure to to doing these types of things. It's a, a vehicle for uh, the league to prepare its future general managers uh, to become general managers up the road, right, and to, to go through the experience and know what's awaiting them. The second part of your question is why was Ian Cunningham available instead of Ryan Poles? That I can't answer for you. That was an organizational decision that was made. I have never gone into a draft in all my years covering the league where the general manager has not spoken in advance of the draft. The last we heard from Ryan uh, publicly was at the owners' meetings in March. I don't know philosophically why they chose to take that path. I will also say that I don't want to say I have learned. I will say I am learning. Um, to pick my battles and understanding that that we are going to hear much more valuable insight and philosophy and perspective from Ryan Poles after each one of the, the nights of the draft, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, that will teach us all about how he felt about the board and the prospects and the decisions he made and the decisions he didn't make. And so I just have to wait, right, a, a few more days to get his insight on those types of things. I'm not sure why that was the the selected path. It is just something they chose to do this week. And I think you are more than justified in scratching your head. It's just odd. It's just a, it's a very Bears-like thing to do. You kind of want to know, number one, what the mindset is. If this is indeed the biggest offseason that they've had in, in a very long time, 48 hours 72 hours away, yeah, I would like to touch base with the guy who's in charge. And secondly, you know, we'll get to this in a moment, but Aaron Rodgers leaving the division is the biggest day of the Bears offseason, okay? True, right? I, I, that's a reasonable assertion, in my opinion. And I've been saying it for a while that, that <sighs> look like there are going to be other things that happen in this offseason, free agency, the draft, but the exit – of Chicago's, if not their number one villain in Chicago sports, he's certainly in the team photo, uh, is a huge deal. And now we know it's been coming for, for weeks and months now. Uh, it's official. And, and I, I think that there is uh, a, an understanding that this is a landmark development for the Bears, the NFC North, and all things uh, Packers, Bears, NFC North related, because now we have to see what the new landscape of the division looks like you know it's Jordan Love's team now in Green Bay that should be good news for the Bears I would much rather have it be Jordan Love's team than Aaron Rodgers' team and for all those people saying that the uh you know the Jets were fleeced in the trade that they made with the Packers well let's see if Aaron Rodgers discovers his four-time MVP form and leads a very talent stacked Jets team deep into the playoffs and perhaps to the Super Bowl then did they get fleeced or did they just add the piece that became the engine of their longest run in forever you know, so that, that, that I always uh, laugh at at snap judgments when a trade is made on who, who got the better end of the deal. Um, and, and we'll see which direction that goes. OK, so let's go back to the podium and let's hear from uh, what you thought about Ian Cunningham and what he had to say. My sense is very little. I saw that he had one quote that I think stood out to me. It's good to hear from him, but pressure is a privilege. And I, I like that. It's off a T-shirt. You can show it to your high school athletes. It definitely is apt. And when you're under the pressure, it's a privilege to be able to know how to react to that. But big picture wise, that's fine. All well and good. Did you learn anything as it pertains to the Bears state of mind going into <laughs> the draft or did he give you any indication about one thing or another that you felt like was newsworthy 
Yeah, I'll give you a couple of my takeaways. I don't know that any of them will be deemed newsworthy, and that doesn't surprise me because these uh, availabilities rarely are. There's rarely anything that, that that comes as a surprise. I know that I've probably written the notebook item. The Bears are open to trading up or trading down in the draft 13 times in 13 drafts that I've covered. You know, uh, whatever it may be, that's always a, a storyline. But I would start here with what you said about pressure as a privilege. I, you know, Ian has that sense of calm about him that his right-hand man, or, or his, I guess maybe it's his left-hand man, Ryan Poles, also has. They feel very comfortable in their preparation. They feel very um, confident in their processes, and they understand, like, you know, Ian said it today, it's, you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's just a draft. We understand that there are long-term stakes and, and significance to all that happens in that draft, but we're just going through a draft, and we're approaching it the way we would any other year. It doesn't mean that there has to be more urgency to this one. It doesn't mean anything other than try to get the best possible draft class together with players that are long-term contributors that fill needs, that that you know move the needle, that, that push this team closer to being a championship contender again. So I think that there is, um, in, 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 they're embracing this, right, as they should be, and they're ready to go for this weekend. And then we'll see what, what they're able to do with that. Now I will say this and I, and I'll get your point in a minute. He, uh, Ian took a handful of questions about Jalen Carter. That's a rarity in these pre-draft availabilities that we usually get an opportunity to, to fire specific questions about specific players. Sitting and listening to it is different than sitting back and reading it because sitting and listening to it, you're like, oh, wait a second. He's answering questions about Jalen Carter. And then you read it and you say, didn't really answer a thing. <laughs> you know, I think he was asked multiple times by Brad Biggs and Mark Potash, does Jalen Carter register as a hits principal guy, knowing that that's what Matt Eberflus wants in this building? And I think his, his final answer was, yeah, there's some parts of that in there. <laughs> which wasn't real convincing. I don't know if you listened to that and had the same feeling. I did, feeling. I did. But see, the same yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, okay, full disclosure, if Ryan Poles was speaking today, I was going to be up there. Ian Cunningham um, was in his place, so I, I passed because I just didn't think it was going to be worth the time. That said, when he was talking about Jalen Carter, I regretted not being there because there's a tone – that you can pick up on and maybe something you could read into. You know, he, he talked about Jalen Carter and entertained those questions much more than I thought he would. I think had he been this, doing this more often, uh, he might have shut it down a little bit sooner. But what was your takeaway in terms of the tone? Because you can read some things into the way people answer questions or more importantly, how they don't. Well, I also think it was Jason Leisure of the Sun-Times that, that eventually asked, you know, with all the homework you've done, did you get to a point where you felt comfortable with Jalen Carter? And then there was a long kind of, uh, you know, dodgeball answer of saying, well, we first met with him at the combine and then we met with him again at the pro day and we had him in our building. And ultimately, we've made a decision that's best for the Chicago Bears. There was no confirmation or denial on what that decision is. My hunch given as long as I've done this and what I've read from the bears, just interpreting and, and playing that game over the last few months is I don't think that that is their top uh, priority right now. Could be wrong. It's lying season. It's silly season. Jalen Carter could slip out of the top five. He could slip to six, seven, eight, nine. And all of a sudden you have a decision to make and the bears could end up making him the headliner of this draft class. But right now my hunch is that that is not the preferred direction. Just given some of the things that they've described and said over the last couple months, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again. And I've got another uh, example in a minute here where I don't know if you're a Rounders fan, but I want to see if we may have got a tell from Ian Cunningham on another prospect that you'll want to talk about. It's been a while since I've seen Rounders, but I will uh, entertain that in a moment. So uh, my, my sense is in everybody is, is going to have their take. You know, I, I've said this. I, I would take Jalen Carter off the board. I would just pretend like this was a draft uh, without – the Georgia defensive tackle, because I just don't think they're in that position to take the kind of risk that that implies and, and, and you know, represents. Now, I don't know that teams anymore just take guys off their draft board. Is that a, a dated concept, Dan? Do you think that teams like the Bears, if they have no chance of taking a guy, would just not consider him? Or is this something that you think that could go down to, well, you know what? Well, we'll wait and see. You don't have to make a decision until you have to make a decision. Let's wait and see how we feel if he's still there at nine. Typically, players come off the draft board if they have significant health problems on, on their resume. And that's just like, OK, we don't want to mess with that. We'll just pull them off the board. 
Character-wise, it's got to be really extreme uh, and really egregious. Those are the examples. I don't know from talking to people around the league that anything within Jalen Carter's um, history here with the the, the traffic accident, the, the the racing and the reckless driving in Georgia uh, or the pro day stuff registers as, as so extreme that it would cause you to pull him off the board. Now it's all about value. It's all about comparing him to the other options you have there. And those discussions have been had here for weeks and months now to, to determine, okay, scenario A, scenario B, scenario C, how do we react to this? I would imagine that Jalen Carter is still on their board. I just get the sense that given what they have described about what they are trying to build here and some of the big picture questions that still circulate around the league about Jalen Carter, that it doesn't feel compatible to me right now. Again, talent often wins out over compatibility. When you're staring at the tape and you're saying, man, we feel like we need to get a big time difference maker at a major position of need on the front of our defense. I can see where uh, on draft night you would you would feel the urge to um, just discard all the other things we talked about and say that the talent supersedes everything and this is the direction we're going and we can sell it and we can hope we can wrap our arms around this guy and create an environment that 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 keeps him between the uh, between the rails. Fair enough. That's well put. Okay, so what about this tell that you observed from Ian Cunningham? <laughs> all right, so there were a lot of questions asked today and even the ones that Ian Cunningham didn't want to answer he steered around them and he spoke for a long time even his opening statement was like three and a half minutes of thanking every single person in the building from you know their scouting staff to their their video group to the you know the the person that serves the fruit salad in the cafeteria to Larry Mayer basically so he did a lot of talking and then there was one question where he didn't do a lot of talking and he was asked about uh whether it would ever be worthwhile to draft a running back in the top 10. And he said, yeah, I think it would be. And it was just a very quick answer. And I brought up rounders before. I can't remember whether it was uh, the tell that Teddy KGB was bluffing or whether it was the tell that he had the hand when he would twist the Oreos, right? And and, and the Matt Damon character realized that. So my question is, was this a tell by Ian Cunningham where all of a sudden it was like, do the Bears have such grand interest in B. John Robinson that even the thought of talking about him out loud just subconsciously made him shut down and, and turn on the mute button on himself because it was the only question today that, that he didn't really give much extra thought to. Again, this is the silly season. This is I the love wild that. season. I, I love that. Out that. However you want. I'm now, just saying, let's keep our eyes on that on Thursday night. And then if we come back to this and go, aha, we found the tell. I think I'm, I'm going to remember this because I know you will. Because You've got you another day on the radio that you can point exactly, us out on. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for giving me my 630 uh, segment idea. Perfect. Um, I, I look at that and say, you know, that that is very interesting. I would <laughs> not I would not dismiss it. Uh, also, I, it, it, go, it brings me back to what we talked about coming in. And, and made me, again, it may mean nothing. But why would you put somebody out there? who isn't skilled or not skilled, but isn't experienced in talking to reporters. If you might be, you know, giving an indication of what the team may be feeling, which is overstating it. But I, I think it's interesting because there's so much, there is so much intrigue surrounding the status of Bijan Robinson, who could go anywhere from I the seven to 27. And, Correct. and, and Dan, uh, we talked to pro football focus, uh, executive editor analyst this morning who had Bijan Robinson going in the second round, which I think is, is madness. <laughs> laughable, madness. laughable, laughable. So that's uh, not happening, but it's a wide range of, of spots. It, I, I, so nine would not be outrageous. And if he does go nine, I'm going to remember this exchange and remember that Ian Cunningham told us that he was, they were going to draft him Tuesday with a tell. And then we are going to request Ian Cunningham to speak the week of the draft every single year from this point every forward, year. right? Yeah, and we're going right. to try to we're going to try to try to test that tell a little bit more. I mean, look, like I, I said it to Baldy when we had him on last week that that people that I've talked to in the league, talent evaluators that are in buildings or just do it for the media and and are in this for a living. Everyone is in agreement that the floor for Bijan Robinson is highly productive standout running back in the NFL. You know, I mean, like, that's what you're getting. You have concerns about injury. Sure. As you do with any running back that you that you take to bring into your program. You have concerns about positional value. Sure. Those are there. But no one questions who this guy is as a football player. And there's a belief that uh, you are getting a potential, you know, six time all pro. If, if you take this guy, you know, a guy that can, that can consistently be a weapon. And so um, 
look, I, I get all of the, the debate that has circulated around this conversation. I am very open-minded to the possibility uh, for at least two more days. So the pro football focus uh, uh, host or analyst was Steve Palazzolo. I just want to oh. be sure that I make that uh, clear. When we were talking to Steve and he had a, a first round mock draft that had a lot of very interesting uh, not conventional, uh, I think, slots and, and choices. I mean, that's not a criticism. It's just it shows you how wide the range of opinions are. I think Tyrese Wilson was 20th. Um, there were a lot of people uh, higher and lower than on typical drafts. I think Will Levis was 18th, a guy that's shooting up a lot of people's mock drafts. And, of course, as I said, Bijan Robinson, I don't believe, was even in the first round. So let's keep an eye on that. Let's keep an eye on what they're doing with Jalen Carter. To me, Bijan Robinson and Jalen Carter are two of the more intriguing, compelling figures in the first round. What else did you think Ian Cunningham at least had to say or did address? Well, remind me in a couple minutes to circle back to what I think is the third most compelling storyline or, or one of the three top compelling storylines other than who the Bears pick in a minute. I, I you know, look like I, I think Ian was um, probably most notable to me was his discussion of the offensive tackle position. And he, he mentioned, obviously, there's been four household names that we've all been talking about for months. Uh, we don't have to, to regurgitate them again here. We know who those options are uh, with a top 10 pick. He said, look, the Bears, the things that they're drawn to are size, athleticism, and a competitive spirit in that position. Those are kind of the, the traits that they're looking for. But then sort of hinted, David, that they, they, that they feel comfortable enough with going down uh, a tier or two in athleticism with the understanding that you could still get an offensive tackle on day two, potentially day three, and pair him with a guy who's been getting a lot of praise inside this building in Chris Morgan, right? You've heard Chris Morgan's name a lot this offseason, and it is a vote of confidence that they think that what they were able to find with Braxton Jones last year is repeatable in terms of getting a guy that can then come in and work with an offensive line coach and bring out the best in himself and be good enough to provide a solid offensive line, uh, offensive tackle formation in front of Justin Fields. That was just something that, you know, you go back and listen to that that clip for me and you go back and read it and you say, okay, they, they certainly seem to be at least open-minded to the idea of addressing something else on night one of the draft and then waiting uh, to, to, to day two to get that. Um, I will give you a handful of day two names uh, real quick. Let me make sure I pull that up so I can give them to you right that could be out there for them. Matthew Bergeron of Syracuse, uh, Dewan Jones, Ohio State. I've heard a lot of people really liking him. Maryland's Jalen Duncan, Oklahoma's Anton Harrison. We've talked about the other four for the top 10. Those are four on day two that we might be talking about on Friday morning if they go in a different direction on night one. Well, if it's not Bijan Robinson at number nine, if it's not, I suppose, Jalen Carter at number nine, and I'll learn to uh, love that one, I suppose. But I think if it's not those two guys specifically, maybe Devon Witherspoon and maybe um, Christian Gonzalez or Christian Kalijah Cansey. It or... better be an offensive tackle. No, 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 no. Uh, I, no, not, don't put words in my mouth. I, if, <laughs> if, if it's not Robinson or Carter or Witherspoon, then it better be an offensive tackle, in my mind, at number nine, because, look, I am a longtime – former member of the coach <laughs> of the coach him up club but this idea that you're going to bring an offensive tackle who might not be as talented as the guy you passed on and you're going to coach him up to be a, a pro bowl player to me is naive it's naive is what it is because i again i'm a former longtime member of the coach him up club i think talent prevails and if you're drafting ninth take advantage if you have to rely on Chris Morgan fine that's why he's hired to do that job I don't know that you make draft decisions based on the fact that you can have somebody who's going to coach him up don't you assume that's going to be the case anyway I've got your lead for you I know we obviously have to pre-write some stuff on draft night because of deadlines you can write this question mark this was naive <laughs> the Bears belief in their offensive line coach to, to, to get the best out of a day oh, two oh, let, let me edit you let me edit your your writing <laughs> this this was naive comma again <laughs> again <laughs> so We've been here before yeah i mean look like you always do, you do it look like we always talk about the the draft uh being sold as a draft and we all know that success in the nfl is draft and develop right and so you, you have to have a a vision and a formula for how you're going to do that. I'm just saying that, like, I think because the Bears have so many needs and we've talked about defensive line, we've talked about defensive tackle, we've talked about finding a pass rush, we've talked about, you know, adding some some weapons for Justin, we've talked about adding, you know, cornerback help to the secondary. 
there are ways to justify drafting another player at number nine and then making yourself comfortable with, okay, here's some, some day two names that we can, we can rally around. We can get in that, that room on Friday and say, yes, we're going to get one of these guys instead. And we're cool with it because the player that we got in round one um, fills a need is a major difference maker. And I've been saying this for a while now I'm writing it for Chicago tribune.com. No matter who they pick on Thursday night, they have a five month honeymoon. You know, I mean, this is going to be so easy to sell. It's going to be a, a player that we've talked about for months. It's going to be a player who is obviously talented. It's going to be a player who, who, who instills a ton of hope and energy in the fan base inside the building here. And then you just got to surf that wave until they have to start playing real games. And you can see whether that that player is who they, he's built to be. But you know that whoever they take, it's going to be months of excitement in this I, in this fan base. Asterisk. I'm going to put an asterisk. I'm going to edit you with an asterisk there. I agree with that. 95% of what you said. I do think that, and this is my own thing, I have to get by and, and find out more information about if they, if they, if they draft Tyree Wilson and it's the Texas Tech rush end and the last time we saw him on the field, he was being taken off of it, I think on a stretcher. So the next time he rushes the passer will be the first time he does so with a screw in his ankle. I don't know that I'm going to be that excited about getting somebody who's pre-injured, Dan. I think that he's going to be a good NFL player, perhaps. But again, when you're talking about risk-reward, I don't know that you want to draft somebody with that medical history. They're going to stand up and put him in front of the podium with the jersey, and they're going to ask him to extend his arms, and he's going to look like a, a, a you know – uh, whatever has long arms. Uh, I was thinking of a dinosaur, but I didn't want to say T-Rex because those are <laughs> no. the short arms that we're talking about. But you know what I mean? Like you can see Tyree Wilson standing up today as being asked to hold out his wingspan, which I think is like 86 and a half yes. inches. Yes, and they're going to sell that. And they're going to say that we've never seen someone with this kind of freakish athleticism, this type of freakish length <laughs> that fits so well into the hits principle has been coached by, you know, a, a defensive coordinator who coached Von Miller and, and, and several other notable. The, the, I mean, Great. The, the brochure Great. is ready made. Made. It you, is. You can discard it. I tell you, the rest of the world is gonna is gonna I, gonna slurp it up. You know, again, like like they the, can do the wingspan. They can show the the, the plaudits and they can, they can praise him. Then they're gonna take him to the lobby, take him through the metal detector, and it's gonna go beep 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 <laughs> beep because he's got a screw in his ankle. <laughs> I mean, didn't we learn the lesson of Kevin White? Is don't draft guys who are pre-injured. That's the lesson of Kevin White that was left behind. It's in a drawer somewhere in Hallisaw. It's the, it's the Ryan Pace premise. Do not draft guys who are pre-injured and require surgery. Not that Tyree Wilson does, but I think that it's a problem, Dan. It's a problem. Was Kevin White's career derailed by injuries? Yes. Oh, okay. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, look, like, I, so the other part of this, and, and I'd be curious to know your take on this. Like, I, I, did you, if you read Colleen Kane's feature on Ryan Poles in the Tribune over the weekend, it was a really good look, I think, into the human side of this. You asked earlier about pressure as a privilege. Well, Colleen's story, I thought the other day, kind of uh, illuminated some of the pressure that Ryan is willing to acknowledge. And, you know, look, he's talking to a sports psychologist weekly to just get his mind straight. He's going to X golf to blow off steam. Like, he's felt this offseason from the excitement standpoint, from the anxiety standpoint, from the exhilaration standpoint, from the urgency standpoint, he's felt all of it. And I thought it was really cool to kind of have him acknowledge that to, to kind of discuss it a little bit and understand that that's kind of the landscape that he's walking into, as you mentioned at the start of the show, in a, in a span of what is essentially 46 hours that will will be a big part of defining what his success was as the uh, as the general manager of the Chicago Bears. I thought it was a great story. Colleen did a really nice job with it. And, and that also underscores why I was a little mildly surprised that he has been so open this offseason in talking about how the anxiety has been something to manage. He talked about it in the national media stories that he did and the access that he granted about how there was such a sense of relief when he made the trade down out of the num number one spot. And I thought he showed some vulnerability in talking to Colleen. So that's why I was a little surprised that he didn't uh, talk today and, and play it all the way through. But yeah, 
you know, that that's just neither here nor there. Well, but like, like one of the anecdotes she had in the story was him sitting in the suite at Lucas Oil Stadium at the Combine and like looking up every 10 seconds. And there's his picture on the NFL Network broadcast because it's like, oh, the Bears, they control the offseason. Oh, they've got the number one pick. They've got all this cap room and, and him being like, all right, we get it already. And I think it's just kind of a reminder that this is still a, a young general manager in his late 30s, still doing a lot of things for the first time, including Thursday night, making a first round pick for the first time. And yeah, so he's yeah, had to yeah, navigate yeah, this. Yeah. And I think there is, there's, 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 okay, 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 okay. But didn't uh, earmuffs, blinders, didn't <laughs> Mr. Trubisky leave some of those behind? You can't be guided by that. You're no, an executive. No, no. You know, I'm, you can't be I'm, affected I'm, by that. I'm not saying guided by it, affected for sure. I mean, everybody's affected by it. I just think it's, 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 a uh, um, again, just a reminder that there, I'm not saying it's going to impact the way he does his work, but, um, it's been real, you know, and it's, it's been acknowledged as real by him. And so I think it's going to be really cool to see how he handles this. Again, we're going to hear from Ryan Thursday night. We're going to hear from him Friday. We're going to hear from him at the end of the day, Saturday. And he's going to tell us all about the draft class he put together and why he chose to put it together. And it's going to be fascinating for us to kind of see how uh, they they do their version of the, of the puzzle here. By then, it will be on the outcome and not on the process, which I think is interesting. By then, the focus Way more be, interesting. Yeah, will be on the people that they pick. And, and I think, frankly, easier for him to to address. I, I think that the I think the process has gotten the best of him a little bit. And and I think the, the more that we have heard from him that, you know, acknowledge the you know, the pressure that he felt and the anxiety, those are things that are, are real. I'm just been, I'm just surprised that it has openly affected him as much as he has told us that it has in various interviews, whether, whether it was Colleen Kane or Peter King or Albert Breer or whoever. Yeah, I mean, the reason I love that story by Colleen so much is it was it was just kind of that open door, you know, and, and like, oh, yeah, this is that, you know, this is a real thing. Like this is this man's livelihood. This is this man's profession. And we all do mock drafts or some of us don't. I've never have done one because they're dumb and they waste everyone's time. I did but- for CBS. <laughs> I did one for CBS Sports uh, last night. I did. a. I don't like doing them either. But, you know, you, you try to help you did, like out. you did all 32 or you just oh, made God, the Bears no. pick. No, oh, no. Yeah. Why would I, I'm I care? To- I don't I'm, care who the Pittsburgh Steelers pick at 17. I'm happy to make the Bears pick for them, yeah. but like tr- trying to do all 32 and, and going through that exercise. And then, the, the, you know, some people do all seven rounds and all 300. It's like, what are we doing here? Uh, that's neither here nor there. But it, it, for, for someone who is in the front office here with real life stakes at hand, um, there is there is something to it. And so we'll okay. see how he navigates this weekend. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's move through this, uh, uh, these other few points kind of quicker because we've been digressing quite a bit here. <laughs> um, in terms of the Aaron Rodgers news, the I think Packers won the trade. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers. Quite, as you pointed out earlier, you're not quite sure what version of Aaron Rodgers they're going to get, but they believe that this is the move that can help them win a Super Bowl. And I think, frankly, Dan, unless they do win a Super Bowl, or maybe get to the deep into the playoffs. It's hard to to see why they gave up that much for a 39 year old quarterback, even one who has won the MVP four times. Has won the MVP four times and has appeared on Take the North once from the, <laughs> the darkness retreat. So you know the the, the resume is undeniable. Um, look, like this is really fascinating to me because I think there's a lot of people in Green Bay that, understandably so, had Rogers fatigue and were ready to move on at every step of the way. Dating back to draft night two years ago, I, I, I've always said, be careful what you wish for, because no one can tell another uh, city how painful 
quarterback purgatory is than than folks in Chicago. And we have no idea if Jordan Love is any good or if he sucks and they're going to be drafting another guy in one year or two years. And, and, and so, like, you may have just opened up that door uh, prematurely. I understand why you did it. It was just time, you know, that relationship had run its course and it was time to go in a new direction. Um, but this idea that the Packers are just going to pick up uh, where they left off with a new guy and they're going to have their third straight Hall of Famer playing quarterback, like that, that's just not how the NFL works. Um, and so, look, like, I don't think you ever win a trade when your championship window gets um, closed a little bit. And in my opinion, this closes their window a little bit. I think the Jets certainly believe that it's opened theirs. You know, coming off a, a promising year in 2022, they've got the the potential to, to really build on that. And now it's a matter of how many friends does Aaron want to bring with them to, uh, to 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 New Jersey to to practice with them every week. Has anybody seen Randall Cobb on the New Jersey Turnpike lately? Mercedes I mean, Lewis making his way. You know, big dog, big dog's always been <laughs> it could it could be that too. And Green Bay, I think what they did was they signaled this. I don't know if they want to call it a rebuild. I don't know what they're going to call it, but. They are now, I think, along with the Bears, competing for the bottom of the NFC North. They are going to figure out a way to try to stay out of the basement. I don't think they're going to be as competitive as maybe they think. They're going to take a step backward. you got the Lions, who I think are now the favorites in the division. You've got the Vikings, who still have Kirk Cousins and some other pieces, obviously Justin Jefferson. And then I think the Bears and the Packers – are going to, to duke it out to see, you know, who stays out of the basement in the division. I, no disagreements here. Again, I, I, the other NFC North storyline that I trumpet all offseason is go go look at how many draft picks that the Lions have to use this weekend. Look at where they start. Number six, you know, they're coming off one of their best seasons in years, and they still get to pick in the top ten, three slots ahead of the Bears, and they got a chance to add a, 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 a bunch of difference makers on the you know the first hundred picks of this draft that's a scary thought given the way they came on at the end of last year still have no idea what their long-range plans at quarterback are um still have some holes on that roster and some questions last year's pick that i was in love with the jameson williams pick (laughs) obviously uh takes on takes on a real different tone this week with him getting knocked uh with a punishment doesn't fit crime six game suspension uh for for some gambling transgressions i bet you regret that prediction look the the player is awesome but i won't i won't bet very much on it though because i don't <laughs> want to get suspended that was really something we haven't talked about that a lot but the lions got a real severe blow by the league in the gambling suspensions that hit them as hard as any team. I struggle with this on so many levels, David, because as a league, I know that you have to do everything you can to protect the integrity and everything else that goes with it. But you can't, from one side of your mouth, talk about these billion-dollar partnerships with all these gambling companies that are running everything that you do on Sunday afternoons, and then all of a sudden come down with, with these severe punishments on players um which it's my understanding that jameson williams just he placed a bet on a college game from the lions facility or something of that nature and that was the violation that got you six games that got you more than you know there have been crimes much yeah much i mean kevin ridley just missed an entire year of his prime right um for 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 a gambling issue and so it's really hard i think for for the nfl to walk this tightrope and they've been doing it kind of clumsily with some of these things it's obviously going to impact the lions because there was a lot of chatter out of detroit about what a healthy jameson williams could mean to an offense that was already uh turning heads in 2022 okay before we get to the rick spielman interview i want to play a couple clips from that at house hall on tuesday they awarded the brian piccolo award to a rookie and to a veteran you were there who won it and how did the speeches go the rookie award winner was Jack Sanborn, uh, very deserving, uh, worthwhile winner for what he did as a rookie last year, coming in as an undrafted free agent, carving out his niche and becoming a a guy that really was, uh, you know, just exceeded all expectations and did so every single day that he came here. The veteran winner, I know this turned your head, running back and current Detroit Lion, David Montgomery, voted on by teammates. Um, I believe these awards are, are voted on before everyone takes off for the offseason. 
back in January. They're not given out until till April. Um, and so, yeah, David Montgomery was not here, obviously, to to collect that award. He, he sent a small uh, thank you speech via running backs coach David Walker, which was given today. Um, but I, I think you've got some some issues with that. Uh, well, I with, mean, first of award. all, David Montgomery winning an award after basically choosing the Lions over the Bears to me, like, how do you give an award to a guy for basically snubbing you? I understand it what was, the award is for. And it I was voted that, on by teammates. Well, voted for by teammates. Okay, I know I know they're in Lake County in Lake Forest. They're close enough to Cook County to know how to handle an election and election results. I mean, for goodness sakes. So you, you were calling, you, you're advocating for a rigged election here on the Piccolo Awards? I, I'm, I'm One of the I, most I, prestigious <laughs> awards that the Chicago Bears give out in honor I'm, of a man who has helped fund cancer research for almost 40 years, <laughs> and you want to rig the election of who gets this award? I'm advocating applying a little bit of common sense and maybe a writer in the, in the language that the award will not be given to or awarded to a player who in free agency chooses another team despite the offers being equal and snubs us in free agency, therefore disqualifying him from the award, regardless of the teammates who voted on the award. Or I might just say this, vote on the award another time and award it before free agency because this seems a little bit awkward to bring attention to the fact that you're, you're rewarding a guy that walked away. Don't forget, uh, previously, 2014, my first offseason on the beat, Josh McCown was given the veteran Piccolo Award, and it was Jay Cutler who showed up to accept it on his behalf and gave a gripping speech, basically saying that, that Josh McCown uh, was was one of the greatest human beings he had ever met. He wished he had met him earlier in life so that he could have learned from Josh's ways. And I was just sitting in the back going, that's what I've been saying about Josh all these years, too. You were right. I know. I remember, you know, Jay Cutler was never more relatable than he was that day. Yeah, because because he he showed you a little side to himself that, that we didn't get to see a lot. Um, but look, like I get it. It's a little awkward. It just, you know, I mean, I a guess may, maybe I don't flinch at awkward because I've, I've been in this building for a decade and it's it's, it's kind of. Uh, something that comes with the uh, scanning your 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 entry badge on the door. You just expect awkward here and there. Maybe they can give David Montgomery the trophy or award or plaque when they meet the Bears after he gains 121 <laughs> yards and scores two touchdowns in the first of two meetings where he, they will regret letting him go. I think he's going to have a pretty good year in Detroit. I know it's way early to project anything, but the Lions – they're going into this draft. They're going to be deeper and dangerous after it. They've got a lot of draft capital. And uh, they, they've got some talent now, Dan. They're going to be better, I think. Uh, it's going to be a very fascinating year in Detroit. Well, one of the things that I think will be fun for us maybe in the weeks and months ahead after the draft dust settles and we, we've got some offseason to, to sort through is to you know kind of reach out to some of our brethren in the in these other NFC North markets and take the temperature of those um, because I do think that it's a fascinating time in Detroit. We're not used to hearing this level of optimism and encouragement out of the Motor City and they certainly feel reasons uh, like they've got more reasons to add to that, that list here this weekend. So it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with those draft picks. Um, and then what it means, because I, I again, I think that the, the landscape of this division is is altered significantly. And I think you and I, I think we're in agreement. I know I'm I'm pretty firm in saying that uh, Ryan Poles can't alter the way he goes about doing his business just because there's a, a bit more of an opening here. But it's certainly notable to, to understand that, it, that the degree of difficulty has come down a, a little bit with Rodgers' exit. But now all of a sudden the Lions, it's like, wait a second, now we got to worry about the Lions? It should only motivate him to do his job better. I don't know that he needs that, but I wouldn't right. be I wouldn't do it any differently. I would just think there's even more of a greater responsibility because of the opportunity that now is created by the absence or the exit of a guy who's went 25 and 5 against you during his career. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, speaking of the division, on the Mullen Haw Show earlier this week on Monday morning, we spoke to Rick Spielman. You know Rick well. He is yeah. a former Vikings general manager. He does a lot of great work in the media now, working for the 33rd team and a podcast. And he's also 
just very um, visible. He's very vocal and he's very opinionated. So we began the conversation. It was about 20 minutes long, but there's three things I wanted to touch on. Obviously, we asked him about what he feels like and what the thinking is on Jalen Carter. Well, that's what you you know. If there, there was no character issue, the Chicago Bears be would would not even have an opportunity unless they traded up to get a Jalen Carter type talent. The question is, what from an organizational standpoint are they willing to say? Yeah, we can handle this. And a lot of times when you're in those meetings, and Jalen Carter with you know all the things that have been documented off the field, and you know didn't have a great pro day, and nine pounds overweight, everything that's been reported. But in your meetings, you have to decide as an organization, is his talent worth the risk? And if it's not, then you're not going to take him. But you have to make sure that that is all determined before you get on the clock at nine and that guy's staring at you in the face. Because there's no question to me, he, when he plays on the field, uh, and he plays hard, that he is the most dominant player at any position in this year's draft. It's just a question on how much in our building, how many resources do we have to devote to keep this player on the track? And you got 52 other players plus practice squad guys you're trying to take care of well. Or if we bring him into our building, what is the plan in place so we make sure he has the best chance to succeed? But, you know, you're talking about a top 10 pick. You're talking about a three technique that's maybe one of the hardest positions to find. I know how critical it is in the Chicago Bears defense to have a dominant three technique. And if you hit on him, you're going to get a perennial pro bowler uh, in this player. But can you take that risk if he's not on the field for you, if he's having other issues that he has to deal with? Dan, you covered Rick Spielman in Minnesota. Did his response surprise you at all? No, it didn't surprise me. It looked like in February I had someone in the league tell me that that this is even before Jalen Carter went through the the legal stuff at the combine and and beyond. It's before he went through his pro day, and the the, the adjectives that were used were high maintenance and immature, and those were worries that teams had to keep an eye on. And so there's a lot to sift through here in terms of what you are are, are trying to build inside your building and how you can go about motivating a player that may need some extra motivation, that may need some extra push. Um, that's going to be something that the Bears that's a riddle they have to solve. And and I think Rick puts it well there that like the talent is undeniable. You put on the the highlight video, and and it's eye-popping. I mean, it really is. It's it, there, There's a combination of, of speed and power and everything else that is ideal for the position that he plays, and now all of a sudden you've just got to figure out some other things, and it's not it's not an easy job in that GM's chair to, to make that decision, but Ryan obviously has had to consider it for a while. The other prospect we said gets a lot of attention and one of the more compelling figures in the first round of the draft, Bijan Robinson. So I asked Rick about what the consensus would be for Bijan Robinson if he were running the draft room. Change. I remember my first draft in Minnesota, uh, a little different back then, uh, back in, I believe, 2006-2007 draft, uh, Adrian Peterson was there. And there was no question we were going to take him because we thought he was a generational back, future Hall of Famer. And even though we had Chester Taylor, who had a 1,000, yards rushing the previous year, that talent was just too good to pass up. And he was a game changer for us and won a lot of games for us. But the game has evolved since then. You see a lot more three receiver sets, a lot more space. You have to be able to play in space. But when you watch Bijan Robinson, he is one of those unique backs that is going to help you win games and he's going to score points for you, whether it's in the passing game, as a runner, uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does in pass protection. But, you know, you look at Chicago Bears roster, and they lost Montgomery, but they went out and signed uh, Foreman uh, from Carolina. So is it more important for us to take a offensive lineman or this running back? And how is our offense set up? You know, now in Chicago, that may be a different conversation because when you get in November and December and you're playing in the weather that you have to play in in Chicago and then all of a sudden the running game becomes extremely important and a lot of times with in that NFC North division we knew we had to play outdoors in Green Bay outdoors in Chicago and those games 
And sometimes it's not going to be the best situation to pass the ball uh, with the condition. So Chicago probably has to understand, or they're talking about, one, how they adjusted their offensive scheme to fit what Justin Fields has done. I think Ryan has done a phenomenal job getting some pieces around him this year at the skill position to help him out. Uh, but is it more important to continue to build the inter- or the uh, offense and defensive lines and go with what we got on how we're going to uh, build this roster? This roster. With the coaches I've been with, you know, it's always been kind of let's run the ball, let's control the clock, uh, let's play good defense, and that's how we're going to win games. So a lot of it depends on the philosophy of the coaching staff and the, and, and the systems you're going to run. Very interesting stuff from Rick Spielman. Look, I, I sat in um, Minneapolis in, in 2012 when Adrian Peterson was the MVP of the league, ran for 800-plus yards in the month of December, you know, ch- supercharged that team with a Christian Ponder at quarterback into the playoffs. And so the idea that a running back can't be a, a difference maker, I know the game has changed in the last 10 years. Uh, we all know that that, that has changed. But I think what, what you hear from Rick there is an understanding of, like, the, the step one, acknowledge the talent acknowledge what the ceiling of that talent is. You know, Rick and, and George Payton have always used Adrian as the example of don't overthink it. There were questions, okay, he had a broken collarbone in college. Is he going to be injury prone, whatever? And, and they just got to draft night and they said, the dude is 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 one of the best, if not the best talent that's in this draft. Let's take it and and we'll, we'll never look back with regret. I think B. John Robinson's that same type of player and now you just have to figure out whether those are the dice you want to roll. I just wonder too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I... Uh... You know how I feel about the the choice potential choice of Bijan Robinson. I, I went back, made a mistake, and I don't like to do this. With back at somebody on Twitter the other day is <laughs> at Jim Sheffris, who made the comment, and he's welcome to tweet uh, take the North as well. It says never under any circumstances draft a running back in the first round. This is a response to something I had said about Robinson. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it, but I would wouldn't hate it either. He said drafting one of the top drafting one in the top ten is even worse. I don't care if Robinson ends up being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And to me, it's ludicrous to know that if you say that the guy's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I'm not going to draft him because the value of the position dictates otherwise, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Isn't that the purpose of the exercise is to find those guys in the draft? Correct. Correct. Particularly in a draft, which, as we've documented, batting averages are not very high. Even in round one, they're not very high, everyone. And so if you've got a home run staring at you and a guy throws you a meatball right down the middle of the plate and you say, eh, don't really want to swing at that one right now because I want to try to try to hit a slider uh, s- somewhere else. Like, I mean, get out of here, you know. And so, like, don't don't overcomplicate it when you don't have to. I don't think this is applicable in every single year and every single draft with the top running back. Bijan Robinson is different. That's what. Everyone in the league will tell you he is different. And also, by the way, he catches passes. You can yeah. play him in the slot. Right. He blocks. He does a hundred different things for you that can create matchups for you. Tariq Cohen, uh, during you know 2000s, I guess it would have been 17 and 18 when they found ways to to use him as a chess piece. Like they did things offensively because they had to account for this running back who had this this different set of skills. Bijan Robinson is is Tariq Cohen times 20. There are a wide variety and range of opinions, as as we can see in what Rick Spielman had to say about the offensive tackles. Now, we talked to Brian Baldinger on the last podcast. He had uh, he had the Tennessee offensive tackle, right? Darnell Wright as the top-rated offensive tackle in this draft, the right tackle. I asked Rick Spielman about how he viewed the four offensive tackles considered to be first-round prospects. Peter Skaronski is the most technically sound. Uh, he can do everything in the run game and uh, in pass protection. The biggest issue is the arm length. And, you know, when analytics are involved, you know, we found out that if an offensive tackle, for example, arm length was under 33 inches and he ran 5.25 or slower, there were eight guys that fit that category. None of the eight ever lived up to the grade we had on them. Uh, so you're, you're bringing in analytics to it as well. But is Peter Skaronsky the exception to the rule with his 32 and a quarter inch arm length? If not, like we talked about, you slide him into guard. Paris Johnson, to me, is the most, or I should say the safest, mm. because he's 
started at right guard, then he moved out to left tackle. His wingspan is ridiculous. I was at his pro day at Ohio State, had a great pro day workout, was in great shape. He got better as the season went along. He can be physical and aggressive in the run game. He's athletic enough in space. In his pass protection, he has good enough left tackle feet to slide and mirror. He needs a lot of technical work, in my opinion, in pass pro, but I think he is probably the safest. Broderick Jones, to me, has the highest ceiling. He's the farthest behind those other guys as far as technique, and it's going to take him some time, but he may be the best left tackle athlete in this draft, but the farthest from getting ready to step on the field uh, right away. So you look at if we we drafted Skoronsky. Yeah, he's going to be, in my opinion, a day one spar- starter, either left tackle or inside a guard. Uh, you, you draft Paris Johnson. Yes, he's going to be a day one starter at left tackle. You, you, you draft Broderick Jones, to me, he may not be ready day one, but at some point he's going to be ready to be a starter at left tackle, but he may have the highest ceiling out of all of them. Very interesting evaluation from Rick Spielman. Also, Dan, you have to consider Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, out in Arizona. Kyler Murray's telling his front office he would like to see him in Arizona. So all of a sudden, you're seeing mock drafts of Paris Johnson Jr. at number three. So we just there are all kinds of opinions out there, all kinds of speculation. But Rick has done this job before, so his evaluation of the football talent of those tackles was very interesting look as as uh he was talking there i was writing down some notes that summarize kind of kind of what rick's thoughts on these tackles are i wrote down skaronsky most solid most versatile safest paris johnson most promised broderick jones most development needed which probably isn't ideal if you're is not ideal if you're the bears because you're in a pivotal evaluation year with your quarterback and do you want to take on a project in front of them when you've got a couple other guys that are there and then obviously we've heard a lot of buzz recently about darnell wright and and obviously he's seems to project as strictly a right tackle, even though he has left tackle experience in college. Um, there's a lot of people that believe that that, that, that dude is a, a plug and play, can't miss tackle there. So I think, again, like we're going to learn a lot more about this draft class when the draft is over. And I'm going to be really interested to see how, how much the Bears are willing to pull back the curtain and, and tell us about how they kind of size these guys up because there's been a lot of different uh, talents and and potentials with all these guys. You know what they're going to say if they draft if they draft Broderick Jones, right? They're going to t- get to the podium. They're going to introduce Broderick Jones. They're going to say, "We're going to coach him up. We're going to coach him up because we have Chris Morgan, and we're going to coach him up because that's what we do here. We coach him up. And as a former longtime member of the Coach Him Up Club." I'm just going to scoff. I'm just going to shrug. They're, they're going to give uh, Broderick Jones his number 73 jersey. He's going to hold it up, and they're going to say, hey, at least he doesn't have a screw in his ankle. <laughs> see, see, that's the bright side. You're looking at the bright side of things. <laughs> you are optimistic heading into this draft. Anything else, Dan? We covered a lot of ground. Anything else that we forgot? This is the last thing. Uh, you mentioned three players that were going to be compelling storylines on Thursday night, and they were Bijan Robinson and Jalen Carter, and I'm going to add a third one. His name is Bryce Young, and he's going to be the number one overall picked by the Carolina Panthers using the pick that the Bears once owned for losing 14 games and going on a 10-game skid to end last year. You talk to people around the league about Bryce Young, the football player, and they poke zero holes in his game. Everything that they poke holes in with, with, with Bryce Young has to do with the scale and the measuring tape, right? How tall and how heavy he is and whether he can endure uh, this league. But my God, like this has got to be something that is kept under the magnifying glass in Chicago for the next few years because the Bears had the number one pick. The Bears had the option of choosing a new uh, a new trail with Bryce Young, if so desired, and chose that it was worth, as we said, that they, they probably should, staying the course with Justin Fields and seeing it through. But we can't lose sight of the fact that this kid, as a potential uh, difference-making quarterback, seems to be the real deal as a playmaker, and now all the questions seem to, to revolve around his durability. I love that. That's, a, that's actually very accurate. It's consistent with what you know you hear when you talk to people around the league, and it's easy to overlook because this is really the Bryce Young draft. He will be the first overall. He, the Bears could have been in a position to take him. They didn't want to because they believe in Justin Fields. They made the trade, and he still will be the first overall pick, which makes him the most valuable 
member of this draft class from from the get-go. Yeah, I had an exec that I talked to that saw him play live in the fall and said that that initially when you're watching him, and particularly live, he's so composed that it's almost problematic to you as an evaluator because you're like, man, what like what are you doing? And then all of a sudden you realize that he's got almost like this sonar that that can feel the pressure coming. And then he slithers up and makes a, uh, you know, an off kilter throw, an off platform throw, and it's a completion and it's first down. And then they score on the drive. And then all of a sudden you, you realize that like his superpower is his slow heartbeat. His superpower is his composure. And it's what's going to give him a chance at the next level to take a, a, away some of the, the the physical wear and tear because you can move away from a big hit. and and live to see another day. And so I'm going to be fascinated to watch that kid play as a rookie, as a second-year player, as a third-year player, and see where his career goes. Because, again, he was the top quarterback in this class. He's probably going to go number one on Thursday night. The Bears own that number one pick. You very rarely have the chance to own that number one pick. And they they chose to to take a different course. I think we we supported them in that. But it doesn't mean that you, you, you suddenly eschew the responsibility of evaluating what could have been also. Good stuff, and I think we covered a lot of ground, and this is what we're going to do. Well, first of all, this is kind of an, a meeting on the pod. So <laughs> we're going to release this. People are going to download, listen, and subscribe. You can give us some feedback. You can check out the 670 Scores YouTube page and watch us. You can get this on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And on Thursday morning, we will release our projections of what the Bears or recommendations of what the Bears will do at number nine. And we'll each pick a guy or pick a lane or pick a a trade down, but we'll pick a guy and Thursday morning we'll tell you why we think that makes sense to us based on our background. Studs can get involved and he can represent the Chicago sports fan. He can represent producers everywhere. He can represent whoever he wants to, just the Studzinski family, for goodness sake. But we'll come out Thursday morning and we will give you our Bears draft projection. That way you can have some fun before the draft as we count down to Thursday night. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Okay, great. So download, listen, subscribe. You can find us where you usually find us on your free Odyssey app. For Dan Weeder and Adam Sudzinski, I'm David Haw. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.